I, I do think every business should embrace the inbound marketing idea. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain. digital marketing activities are most effective for lead generation? How do you run a successful retargeting campaign? And what is real-time bidding? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask today's special guest, Sean Aguilar. Now, Sean is the digital marketing manager at TapSense, where he creates and executes lead generation strategies and campaigns across all digital channels. So, Sean, welcome to DMR. Well, thank you for having me today. So, Sean, what um, specifically kinds of activities are working most effectively for lead generation at the moment? So for TapSense right now, what's working very effectively is the way that we leverage all of our content through LinkedIn. Um, given that we are a B2B company, LinkedIn is, enables us to automatically know that we're going to be able to find our audience and we can be able to break down our content and break it down by specific audience members and be able to ensure that they're seeing the right message at the right time in order to come into our website. Ah, LinkedIn, that's interesting. Um, so um, is that tending to be most effective for business-to-business -business type clients or are there other clients that are using LinkedIn effectively as well? So in regards to lead generation, there are most B2B companies are going to be in LinkedIn trying to generate leads now. You do see a lot of B2C companies in there because they do, you know, um, just because you're on LinkedIn doesn't mean you're only doing B2B business, of course. And so there are going to be B2C companies. Yeah, you know, you, I do see retailers and, and other uh, companies that are B2C focused in LinkedIn. Now, of course, that content may be different. Um, personally, from what I've seen is I see a lot of recruitment from bigger brands that are B2C or um, big initiatives in, in, in regards to their operations or whatever it may be. Um, so yes, there are a lot of B2C companies on there now. They may not be so focused on the lead gen aspect on LinkedIn, but yes, they still have a LinkedIn presence. Okay, now for lead generation, um, is it um, just necessary to be asking for name and email address or are you asking for other fields as well as part of that process? So if, when the first time a user comes to our website, we ask, we ask for name, email, and the name of their company and uh, which vertical they are in. Now, we do leverage marketing automation here at TapSense. And so with that marketing automation comes a progressive profiling feature that um, when users come back to our site and come to another landing page, whether it's for a, a certain ebook or white paper, um, those fields actually change. And so over time, as those users come to our website and download different pieces of content, we're able to get more information from them that they're actually willing to give us, whether it's their company size or their, their ad budget that they have one or whatever it may be. And this gives our sales team more tools to be able to try to bring them in and close them. Okay. And um, is there any particular reason for someone to opt in that is most effective at the moment? Um, is it uh, still something traditional like um, giving away a white paper or perhaps something else? So we, um, we do do, we do a little bit of both. So we do have a lot of downloadable content, whether it's white papers or eBooks, we specialize in writing content. That's about our industry. So real time bidding and programmatic buying and whatever it may be, as well as we do offer a lot of blog posts. So, you know, we do try to create one blog post a week on a variety of topics regarding mobile, mobile, mobile marketing and mobile advertising. Um, and this way we're able to not, we're able to provide content that's not so just lead gen focused because you know, not every user wants to have to give all their information for a blog post or a piece of content. Okay. Um, so in, in terms of um, inbound marketing software, um, is it um, HubSpot that you use or um, perhaps something else? 
We are currently leveraging Marketo. Right. Okay. And is that something that you would recommend for your clients as well? Or are you fairly agnostic when it comes to software? So when it comes to, I, you know, I've actually used HubSpot at my last company and I use Marketo here. Um, I, would, I would equate HubSpot to a better use case for a smaller business. It's much more intuitive. Um, it's, it has not as many features as Marketo. Marketo is a much more robust enterprise platform um, in regards to how you use it. Um, there isn't too much training right off the bat. They give you a basic kind of intro training and then everything else is a paid service actor. But um, in regards to, in regards to fe- being feature rich, Marketo is very feature rich. Marketo, um, so it's obviously, from what you're saying there, um, a very much um, heavy-handed tool for um, big business. Does that mean that it's um, a little bit um, too expensive for small businesses in general to consider, do you think? No, it's not too expensive. It, um, what I would say is it's just not as naturally intuitive of a, of a platform. Right. So um, it, in, order to, in order to create certain workflows, there's a whole process in which it goes. Well, and, and so... If you have a team of people or a couple people working on your marketing automation or within your platform, it's much easier. While a HubSpot is designed, it seems like, for, at least in the past when I used it two years ago, it seemed like it was designed for that kind of single person marketing team or two people marketing team in which you're able to control multiple levers at one time. Okay, and do you think that um, inbound something that um, the majority... <laughs> Someone dying in the background there. <laughs> Do you think inbound marketing in general is something that uh, the majority of companies have to embrace now? And if they don't, then they'll get left behind. I do think it's something they need to take a look at because when you take a look at how certain sales teams are operate, and especially with like an inside sales team, some of that's very expensive. And with inbound marketing and leveraging things like content to get them in the door and, and slowly nurture those leads, it actually will reduce the need of large sales teams and large inside sales teams. And it will allow a small sales team to be able to handle you know, a variety of leads in which you're not having to um, spend so much money on operations and overhead costs. So, yes, I think, I think it is something now. Now, what that looks like for certain businesses, it may be different, of course. But I, I do think every business should embrace the inbound marketing idea or at least you know, definitely take a look at it to see if there is ways that inbound marketing can help them lower cost while increasing you know, the, uh, your, your lead optimization and uh, your, your team members' time as well. Now, one other um, phrase that you mentioned there was real-time bidding. Um, it, could you tell us a little bit more about that and um, the platforms that you actually use that on? So real-time bidding is a version of programmatic advertising. Um, what makes it different than programmatic is programmatic is, is merely just the automatic trading of, of ad inventory, while real-time bidding is actually more, think about it like from a stock market standpoint, where you actually place a bid on a piece of inventory um, and you may get it, you may not, and all of this happens within you know milliseconds of, of time. And uh, we leverage real-time bidding from the standpoint of our retargeting campaigns along with we do operate on, we do actually purchase some direct, in the industry we call them direct ad buys with other publishers and or other ad networks to be able to show creative to hopefully an audience that, an audience segment that is very relative to TapSense. And is this something that only agencies can do really or could small businesses do this kind of thing as well? So in the past, you know, early I guess late 2000s, you know, 2009 to 2011. Yes, it was something that only agencies or big brands can get their, you know, get their hands on. Because in order to get into an ad network or integrate with an, a, a desktop ad exchange, you had to have, you know, a very high budget. Well, now thanks to technology and 
just the change in the ad tech space. No, you can actually set up retargeting campaigns as little as $500 a month and scale from there, which now at that point allows you know a, a much wider array of businesses to be able to get access to inventory. Okay, so you mentioned retargeting there, and obviously Google's network is possibly one of the more um, famous retargeting networks. Um, when is the right time to use retargeting? Is it once a user has simply hit your website, or is it once they become a lead and are yet to become a customer? So generally, the way most people you know handle their retargeting, that's the way that we do it here, is when users come to your site directly. Um, whether it's on the blog page, whether they land on the home page, whatever it may be, you do want to pixel them and be able to show them display ads. Now, you can take your retargeting to the next level and actually create specific segments based on certain pages that they visit on your site. So if someone comes and lands on the TapSense product page, I may want to show them a different banner ad than, than if they just came to one blog post and left because I'd like to think that someone who came on the product page is a much more interested lead than, say, someone just a blog. Or if someone lands on your pricing page, that is something that you would definitely want to you know, have different messaging for because they hopefully are further down the funnel. Okay. Um, a colleague of mine um, bought a domain name recently from a, a very big domain name seller. Uh, and um, even after he'd made the, the, the purchase, um, this company kept on, kept on following him around, um, s- selling to him. Um, now, um, is it possible to quite easily switch off a retargeting campaign after a purchase has been made? Yes. So actually, then in the case of um, that domain company, that means they didn't have a conversion pixel set up on their site. So, you know, at TapSense, generally what you would want to do is you, there's your segment pixel that when someone lands on your site, they get segmented and then you can show them certain ads. And then once that user completes that action, whether it's a landing page or, a, you know, a button that you press, whatever it may be that the user needs to do, you can place a conversion pixel in that, in that action. So whenever the user finally completes that action, the conversion pixel conversion pixel fires, and then no longer will that user see retargeted ads. Okay, um, so you know, it can be a very effective form of marketing um, if used correctly, obviously. And um, what about if someone um, has visited your website um, and um, has gone into your retargeting funnel, um, but isn't purchasing from you after? quite a few weeks when is the right time to actually stop that retargeting campaign to that particular visitor so generally the most the longest that i've seen because you can generally you set up windows and depending the depending where they land and depending on the details you can have it a much wider um, funnel right if you know for example the way we kind of do it here at TapSense is if someone just lands on the home page and bounces i'll show them that retargeting window for up to 30 days if it's a much more um, if they land on the product or pricing page, it's a much shorter retargeting campaign, maybe seven days tops, but it's much more frequent. I hope to be able to try to get in front of them a couple times a day over the next five, six, seven days, rather as maybe you know maybe once or twice a day over thirty days. Um, I tend, I personally tend to be pretty specific about that. But um, generally, the longest you would want is twenty to thirty days tops. And of course, if you are going that long, that twenty to thirty days, I would strongly recommend that conversion pixel because in case that user does complete your desired action, you no longer are uh, following them around the web with ads. Okay, and is the type of ad over that period of time that you display to the user different? Um, is it initially brand, and then perhaps uh, moving on to messages after that? So. Depending on the retargeting platform, you can do that. Um, not all retargeting platforms offer that. 
Um, but there actually are some, you know, one off the top of my head is Bizzo. Bizzo, that is actually um, what they specialize in is creating those segments, not only based on um, action, but on based on time. And then, of course, over throughout time, you will actually be able to show them different creative over um, a given period. Okay, wow. Um, so that, that's that's getting quite um, clever, obviously. Um, so that's what's happening now. I mean, retargeting something that really just um, has come to the fore in the last couple of years or so. Um, but there's, I'm sure, a lot in the pipeline. Um, is there anything that you can think of um, over the next couple of years that's um, going to come in and completely change the game again with regards to retargeting? So in, an interesting point, actually, is I have been reading not too much I've kind of seen it, the term pre-targeting mentioned now in a couple um, articles, whether it was, I think I saw one in Adweek and Ad, in Ad, uh, Adland, I'm sorry, and um, where they're actually talking about leveraging all of your data points from retargeting for pre-targeting, meaning you could actually serve ads to your users before you think they would be interested. And um, that is something that if, if, if retargeting vendors are able to kind of harness that technology and build that out, that I think will actually change not only with the retargeting space, but ad tech in general, um, because that's always been the, the biggest issue, right, with, with advertising is trying to get in front of the user before um, their need for your product. And so it's going to be very interesting to see this pre-targeting service and, and if it does come to fruition, or fruition and um, what that's going to look like in the next kind of year, year and a half. So um, would this pre-targeting uh, service potentially use big data and combine that with um, your internet search history and um, make assumptions in terms of what you're likely to do next? I believe that is how it works and not in to the finite details. I don't have the specifics, sure. but I would imagine you're leveraging um, your big data, like, you know, your big data from all of your first party data, whether it's site data and, you know, retargeting data and generally retargeting vendors will also hold third party data, whether it's from, you know, specific data management platforms or whatever it may be. And you could leverage those two to actually be able to find your segment and show them ads based on um, past actions that hopefully will lead to interest in new products. Okay, and um, one other um, final challenge that uh, retargeting faces um, is so many different devices that are used by consumers now. Um, someone will be, you know, maybe on their desktop first thing in the morning, they'll go um, into work, they'll have the smartphone with them, they might look at their tablet at lunchtime and then after they come back from home work and perhaps even get back on the desktop after that. Um, so um, what are the ways, do you think, um, that retargeting can effectively determine that it is the same user they're dealing with. So that's always going to be the tricky part is kind of matching that IDFA from your mobile device to an IP address with desktop. Now, there are companies that are trying to fix that. What, you know, I know Critio is working on a product. I know AdRoll, is, they've, they've launched a mobile web retargeting platform that is also um, that is a cross-platform with their desktop solution. So there are actually retargeting companies already trying to solve this issue because, yes, it is a problem, you know, um, with the way, you know, a year or two years ago, if you wanted to run a mobile retargeting campaign and run it with a desktop, you had to run two separate campaigns and just hope that it, hope look at the metrics, you know, kind of through a silo. Um, it was very hard to actually see um, how mobile and desktop integrated. So it is a big challenge, and, and I think the retargeting in that tech space knows it, and and luckily, some of the bigger players are kind of on the forefront of actually solving this issue. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a challenge at the moment. It's certainly not finalized yet, but it's just... Sure. Um, um, it, Definitely. It, and I mean, that is something that I think, too, Google really put themselves in a great position, you know, from the standpoint of yeah. you log into your, you know, if you're, especially if you use Google Chrome, right? You log into your Google Chrome on your on your, uh, your desktop, you log into Google Chrome on your iPhone or Android along with your Gmail app. So Google's already was in a good position to be able to kind of leverage that data because they, they already had your IP and desktop history. And with the way they set up their apps in the mobile in the mobile space, it allowed them to take that desktop history or desktop data and now merge it and, and sync it with your mobile. Mm. Well, it's um, exciting times. So much happening at the moment. Um, but let's, that's your thoughts on retargeting, really, and lead, lead generation. But let's segue into the second section of our discussion. That focuses on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? Um, going back to the beginning, I'd, I'd actually still go back to LinkedIn ads. Um, mm. You know, that is a huge lead driver for us. It's a huge brand awareness driver for us. Um, the lead quality that we get is very high at a very great ROI. So that is um, given from a growth standpoint. That is something that if they took away LinkedIn ads from TapSense, uh, we would be uh, we would definitely be running around uh, going crazy trying to figure out what to do next because uh, that is definitely a big well for us and uh, we cannot afford to lose it. That's um, interesting. I think that's the first time that someone's mentioned that in over 50 interviews. So um, um, that's a good um, software that you couldn't live without. <laughs> it is. Well, it is. a it, LinkedIn ads is a, it, it given how it was first created, it, it was a hard platform to get ROI from. Um, there was they had some Salesforce syncing issues and whatnot that kind of in their beginning stages, mm. and now in, in over recent years, at least like especially this last year, especially with their sponsored updates, uh, sponsored update product, um, they've really created a nice robust platform. Okay, well, a slightly more challenging question, but I'm sure you can handle it. What software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you've been meant to try at some point in the near future? So I do actually want, we haven't tried it yet, but I am actually very interested in Facebook custom audiences um, from the standpoint of we've done a lot of, we've done some Facebook advertising in the past and we realized, at least our personal opinion on it along with the results was very similar to Twitter. It was a lot of bot traffic, a lot of fake profiles, um, things that were not very actionable and or they were users that were liking our Facebook page that were no longer on Facebook, you know, a couple days later. Mm. Um, so we were getting a lot of fake traffic through Facebook. But with the Facebook custom audiences tag, which is essentially you put a tag on your website and it creates, you know, pixels those users and then you're able to show those users ads when they're in Facebook. That is something that is actually very interesting to us because we know we're actually tagging someone who is not only a, you know, a valid person with an IP address, but they actually also have a Facebook profile and they're logging into Facebook. So it gives us another touch point uh, from the standpoint of you know, being able to try to get them to download some eBooks or sign up for one of our webinars or one of our hackathons or whatever it may be. It gives us another, uh, another avenue in front of that user. I wish I would have. Now, I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? So the things that I didn't do so well at first was using paid search. Um, when I first got at my first job at Retargeter, we had a budget and um, we had continued to use paid search. And so just naturally, given that was my first marketing job, I thought, well, 
I'm going to continue using paid search. It's what they've done. It's, you know, it's what they do here. Let's just continue with it. Um, it's something that I didn't do very well from the standpoint of I wasn't that knowledgeable in AdWords. So it took me a while to kind of get up to speed properly. And given the budget, it was very costly. Um, you know, right now, right now, see, CPCs on Google cost anywhere from seven up to almost a hundred dollars, depending mm. on your industry, especially if you're in, you know, the pharmaceuticals or auto in, auto insurance. Um, and so, because of that lack of overall knowledge and the cost, um, I was, you know, kind of burning a budget at that point. Well, I wish I would have actually just kind of sat back for a second, kind of realized um, the importance of content and how much better we could have done, you know, promoting more content, creating more content, and leveraging different content networks and being able to leverage all of those social tools better to be able to drive awareness to the company and then be able, that would have given me time to understand paid search and been able to use that budget much more effectively. And um, I take it um, you're still using Google AdWords quite a bit at the moment as well. Not as much as we used to with our current product here at TapSense. Reason being is it's a, it is a, you know, we are a mobile ad exchange, so that requires some tech integrations and some things like that. So it is a, it, our, our product that we sell is a much longer, you know, sales cycle. So um, in regards to getting someone to sign up right away and, and install the pixel and all of that, you know, within a day is very, very rare for us. Mm. And so given how kind of, you know, Google AdWords and it's more of a direct response style campaign, unfortunately, doesn't, it doesn't lead too much to our business at this moment. Now, it is something that I wouldn't mind getting back into. Um, once we, if, you know, as technology, our technology changes, we hope to be to make onboarding much easier as a company, so we can in turn be able to run more direct response campaigns, um, like paid search. Right. Okay. Um, so, in in terms of mobile um, as well, um, are you finding that LinkedIn are just as effective at dealing with mobile, or um, are there other ad networks that are possibly a little bit more appropriate to look at when it comes to that? When you're saying, are you referring to advertising on mobile devices? Yes, yeah. Okay, sure, yes. Yeah. So in regards to advertising on mobile, yes, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, they all have their mobile-only mobile, mobile only options, so you can ensure that you're only showing, you know, content on mobile devices. But actually, a lot of desktop players don't, you know, actually advertise in mobile spaces. They're just starting to get into it. Critio is really one of the first ones there. Adderall just got into mobile not too long ago. Um, Technically, Bizzo does not have a mobile product quite yet. So, unfortunately, if you do want to do mobile advertising, you would have to go to someone separate. Um, there's there's very few actual both desktop and mobile players currently in this space, and so that is currently why you know companies like TapSense we specialize in ag you know aggregating all of that mobile inventory and be able to sell it to advertisers. The this or that round. Okay, so this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Okay. Yes. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one on one relations? One on one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Global marketing. Ten straight answers there, so that's great. Um, I didn't expect you to say SEO, paid search or SEO. What um, made you say that? 
uh, given how much content we write. And SEO is actually very important to us from the standpoint of we have so much content, we have so many keywords that we're trying to rank for and drive different users to our site and grow our organic search presence, especially right now, this is, given our current agenda, since we're not spending too much on paid search. Right, okay. And you're also struggling a little bit between website or app. Uh, do you think it's moving towards app and you're more likely to say app in a year's time? So, well, normally, so I guess that I kind of choked up there from the standpoint <laughs> of, for, from a personal experience with TapSense, website works best for us, given that we're a B2B product. We need to have a big product page and show a lot of our features and whatnot. But for most, you know, given that it is our business model, we make money off apps, I, I should have actually said app. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Am I a B2B company or am I a B2C company? Um, if you pick one of them yourself, sure. Sure, well, if I stayed in the B2B realm and I had to pick one channel... Um, I really would go back to LinkedIn. I think we've, I think I feel very strongly about it. I've, I think as a company, we've been able to kind of master the platform and understand how it works and, and the audience is very well. And I think given um, for a B2B audience, that if you can, if you know that you were showing $10,000 worth of impressions to only B2B audience, um, you can't beat that. Because if you try to do that same thing on a pure display ad buy or paid search or content syndication, whatever it may be, you're going to be getting a ton of other um, eyes on your ads that may not be your ideal audience. So what would you say are the biggest mistakes that businesses make when it comes to LinkedIn ad buying? Not understanding their audience. And I think this goes, you know, also just for, you know, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it may be, is a lot of brands truly don't understand their audience. Um, if you're, you'll see a lot of times people, um, I can just, you know, give an example of based when I'm on Facebook or I'm on Twitter or whatever it may be. I see so many ads and promoted things that are nowhere near relevant to me ever. Um, you know, what, for example, actually to this morning I was on Facebook and I got shown ads for a women's product. And as you know, I'm not a woman, so I would never be interested in that product. And, you know, it's things like that, that it's little things like that, that marketers could actually really optimize their marketing strategies because you would not only be saving money, you'd be spending that, that the money you saved on proper impressions, be getting a higher ROI, more leads in the door, as well as more, you know, the eyeballs you want actually looking at your company. So does that mean that most businesses are trying to start off too quickly and they should be actually uh, dumbing it down and just going for small niches to begin with, making sure that's profitable and then moving on from there? Yes, yeah, so especially if you, depending on your budget size, you know, uh, when I first got here at TapSense, my, my budget was much smaller than it is now. And so I had to be very conscious about that from the standpoint of I want to make sure every dollar I spend is highly valuable. And then over time, as you start to get as soon as your as soon as your company is scaling and your budgets is scaling and your teamers are growing, then it becomes time to start looking at other options in regards to getting, you know, widening that funnel of audience more and um, really start to kind of get more eyeballs. But I do think in the beginning, especially when your your budgets are smaller you do need to really try to ensure that you're uh, getting every dollar you can out of your uh, budget my number one takeaway well sean you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation but what's the number one takeaway what's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses i would definitely say break down silos um, and this may be this might help if you if, if you're a company investing in marketing automation or some a tool along those lines um, breaking down the silos from sales to your BD team to um, if you have an account management team, depending on your company, 
kind of really try to break down those silos because it's going to be really much beneficial for your marketing team if you understand your sales team from the standpoint of what are the leads, you know, those leads, what are those pain points that the leads have, what are those questions, what are the issues, what are the pain points they have once they're a customer, what are the great success stories they have when they're a customer. Learning all this key data in, in regards to the user flow um, will dramatically help you understand your marketing and really know how to attack it in the future. Wonderful. Well, um, that is um, a great um, number one takeaway. So thank you so much. Um, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Um, so thanks for your time, your focus and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Sure. Well, you can always email me at sean at tapsense.com. And of course, I did say Twitter over uh, email. So my Twitter is Sean Aguilar SD. You can find me on Twitter as well. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, Sean. Not a problem. Have a great one. Did you know I'm in radio? Did you know I'm in?